going to begin our message this morning with a question. Who is your father? It's a picture up there of me and my father. Um, I've learned and inherited many things from my father, um, one of which is a love for sports, and in particular, the sport of football. Um, and so my dad and I, my dad usually gets season tickets to the Stampeders games, so the Stamps are playing here in Calgary. Um, I'm probably there with him, I'm watching the game, cheering them on. My dad also grew up in the city of Seattle, and as a result, um, I like that city, and I like their sports teams. Um, we both do. And so we had the opportunity a couple years ago to go to a Seahawks game, um, it was very exciting for both of us, kind of a, a bucket list kind of moment where this is something we always really wanted to do. And finally, we had the opportunity and we got to see them win on a Monday night. So it was, it was fun and exciting. So I've inherited from my dad a love for sports, but even more importantly, I've inherited something else from my dad. And so you'll see here, um, there's my dad right in the middle. I'm up on the roof. Um, that's the rest of my family there, or there's actually two more now, but that was our family at the time. And we were in Mexico, building houses uh, as part of a mission trip um, and a way to, to share the good news. And I think that, that sums up well um, who my father is. He's, he's a man that loves God. Um, he's an elder at his church, the whole time that I was growing up, he was always serving any way he could. Uh, he was teaching his kids um, in words and in actions what it means to love the Lord. And my dad's the one that baptized me, kind of like what we saw here this morning. Um, very exciting, but my dad had the opportunity to baptize me. And then later on, when I had questions and doubts about my faith, the first person that I turned to was my dad. So I think I've got a pretty great dad. Um, he's not without his flaws. He is human. Um, but I also recognize that this isn't a universal experience. There are many people who have very different experience of what a father is. Some don't know their fathers at all. Some have had fathers that have left them. Some have had fathers that have hurt them. Some have fathers that are poor influences rather than positive ones. Um, for example, we could look and we could find statistics that tell us that if a father is an alcoholic, there's a much higher chance that their children will be as well. Or if a father leaves their children, there's a much higher chance that those children will in turn leave their own children. Now, fortunately, by God's grace, these things are not guarantees. If you have a poor father, you do not have to follow in their footsteps. There is hope for something better. And similarly, if you've got a good father, there's no guarantee that you will follow in their footsteps. You do still have to make your own choices. But I think we can agree that 
the basic point still holds. By and large, we are like our fathers. Who your father is is important. It affects who you are. And so this is the kind of discussion um, that is going on when we meet our next I am statement. It comes in John chapter 8, and I would encourage you to turn there. We're going to read from it in just a minute. Uh, That's a fairly long passage, so if you're able to follow along in your Bible, I think that's going to be helpful for you. Um, Page 758, if you've got one of these Bibles here, the same as mine. Um, The context for this discussion is all about fathers, about the question, who is your father? And so it comes, John chapter 8, starting at verse 31, right through to the end of the chapter. This is what it says. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in my father's presence, and you do what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do the things that Abraham did. As it is, you are determined to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. Abraham, um, he did not do such things. You are doing the things that your own father does. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and now am here. I have not come on my own, but he sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. 
I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. All right, if you're at all like me, when I first read this passage um, to prepare this sermon, I found it pretty confusing, like there was a lot going on. Um, But I think if we look at it in this context of fatherhood and if we pull in some other passages from throughout the book of John, we can actually make um, some pretty good sense of it. So I want to start by saying there's two questions really being asked in this passage, both to do with fatherhood. The first is the question, who is the father of Jesus? The second is the question, who is the father of the Jews? And in particular, these Jews that are in dialogue with Jesus here. So we'll take these questions one at a time, beginning with the question, who is the father of Jesus? If we were to go back a few chapters in the book of John, we would see that already the people have tried to discredit Jesus by pointing out that he is the son of Joseph. And in their minds, if he's the son of Joseph, it means he did not come from God. Now, despite this, Jesus continues to insist that God is, in fact, his father. And so the response of people of the Jews in John 8, 48, is to say that Jesus is not the son of God, but instead, he's the son of the devil. He's a crazy, demon-possessed man. Jesus continues to insist that he is the Son of God, and it all comes to a head at the end of the chapter as Jesus declares that Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing his day. Jesus, in this statement, is actually indicating that he himself has seen Abraham. Those that he's in dialogue with, they recognize this, and they call him on it. If we were to look at a timeline or a history book, we would see that Abraham lived probably about 2,000 years before this event took place. And they point this out. They say, you're only less than 50 years old. 
How can you possibly have seen Abraham? This is not, this is not possible. And to this, Jesus replies with an incredible statement. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. This is a remarkable statement for a few reasons. First, because Jesus is claiming that he's lived or existed for at least 2,000 years. And it actually goes beyond that because he doesn't just say, when Abraham worshipped, I was there. He says, before Abraham was or before Abraham was born, I am. He's not just claiming to be 2,000 years old. He's actually claiming to be eternal. Pretty bold claim. And of course, if we add to that what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks, this idea that I am is a title reserved for God alone, the name that God gave himself in the burning bush to Moses, well, then this statement becomes even more remarkable. Jesus is no longer simply claiming that God is his father. He certainly is still claiming that, but he's going beyond that. He's also claiming to be one with the Father. If this claim is false, then we can start to understand why this was so upsetting to the people he was in dialogue with. So upsetting, in fact, that they tried to kill him for it. But if this claim is true, then it has some other implications, not the least of which is that Jesus is the perfect representation of God and is the true revelation of God to his people. So we've got a controversial statement. Depending whether or not we believe his claim, he's either a blasphemer or he's the son of God who is also one with God. Throughout John, Jesus says that the way we can test this claim is actually through the testimony of God himself. And he says that the proof of the testimony of God comes in his death and resurrection. This was actually made clear just before where we started reading in John 8, 28. Jesus says, you will know, or sorry, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. It's that phrase again, I am. Jesus making this claim about himself. But he says, you will know that it's true when you have lifted up the Son of Man. When is the Son of Man lifted up? Well, he's lifted up on a cross. And then later, he's lifted up by God himself as he's raised to life. And so this becomes the evidence that Jesus is what he claims. So this is the question of the father of Jesus, but we also have another question. The father of the Jews that he's talking with in this chapter. They begin by saying that Abraham is their father. And as a result of that, um, of being the chosen people of God through Abraham, God is ultimately their father. But Jesus, he disputes this claim. He sees their desire to put him to death. 
and he sees the way they distort the truth by refusing to accept the fact that Jesus is God's son. And Jesus says that their father is the devil. Jesus is saying that he knows who their father is based on their actions. It doesn't matter whether they are physically descended from Abraham. It doesn't matter that they claim that God is their father because their actions do not line up with the actions of Abraham. And their actions do not line up with the actions of God. Instead, their thoughts and their actions are reflections of the devil. And so for Jesus, it is appropriate to declare them to be children of the devil. So I come back to this question. Who is your father? Even as Jesus pointed out the way that, that these people in the audience that were rejecting the truth, that they were children of the devil, he also offers them something better. He says this does not have to be the case. You can be children of God if you will only allow the truth of Jesus to set you free from your slavery to sin. Unfortunately, we don't see any evidence in John chapter 8 that these people took him up on this offer. But that same offer is extended to us. One of the implications of Jesus saying that before Abraham was born, I am, is that he's eternal and that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so this offer given then is an offer for us as well. The truth of Jesus can set us free. God can be our father. So no matter who your earthly father is, no matter what his character is, be it good or be it bad, the offer stands for you that God can be your heavenly father. John 1.12 makes this clear. As many as received him, him being Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And that I am statement at the end of chapter 8, before Abraham was born, I am. It gives Jesus this authority to make this claim. If he's really one with God, then he has the ability to make us children of God. Jesus' offer to make us children of God is a free gift. But there is also an expectation that children will be like their father. As we've already discussed, Jesus called the unbelieving Jews children of the devil because they were liars and murderers like the devil. And similarly, he was shown to be the son of God because he spoke and acted in accordance with the will of the father. Something that we see again and again throughout John is Jesus saying things like, by myself, I can do nothing, or apart from God, I can say nothing. And so it is with us. We don't need to feel the pressure of changing the world or of living perfect lives as perfect people because God is the one who perfects, 
God is the one who is working in the world and changing the world. But at the same time, we are called to reflect God's goodness into the world, and we're called to represent him to those around us. We're called to join God in the work, but it's a work that God is doing. And so, as children of God, we should be reflecting his character. Kelly demonstrated this last week with the mirror, reflecting the light from the candles. Reflecting the light of God into the world is what we do. We reflect his love. We reflect his goodness. So there's one more implication from this as well. If we're going to be children of God, and if we're going to reflect him, we need to know him. And how do we know him? Well, we know him through Jesus. Before Abraham was, I am. I am one with God, is what Jesus is saying. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. If we know Jesus, we know the Father. If we're going to reflect the Father, we need to know Jesus. So the question that I asked earlier is, who is your father? And I hope that the answer for all of us, or the desire for all of us, is to have God as our father. And if that's the case, then the real question behind the question is, do you know Jesus? Do you know the true Son of God, who is in fact one with God, who is the great I am. I hope that you take him up on his offer and that you would allow God to be your father. We've seen two people do just that earlier this service as they were baptized, saying, yes, I want God to be my father. So take him up on this offer and then seek him. Search for him. Get to know him. Ask yourself, how can I know Jesus better? There's one question that you leave with today, one thing that you're thinking about. That's it. How can I know Jesus better? What's going to lead me in that direction? And I'm not going to give you an answer necessarily right now. Um, but I think that that's something that we do talk about a lot and that we work towards a lot. I hope we do as a church. hope you understand that when we encourage you to pray, when we encourage you to read and memorize scripture or to be part of a life group or to come to a men's breakfast, the reason that we do that is not because we just want to fill your schedule or something like that. It's because we want you to know Jesus. And we think these are things that can help lead you in that direction. And so think on that question, pray on that question. How can I know Jesus better? Do I know him? Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, 
We are so thankful for Jesus. We're thankful that through him, we can know you. We're thankful that through him, you reveal yourself to us, that you're the God that wants to be known. We're, we're thankful as well, God, that through him, we too can be your children. We thank you that you invite us into the family. No longer as slaves to sin, but as sons and as daughters. And so, God, we pray that we would take you up on that offer, that we would accept it. We pray that we would look to Jesus and that you would show us what it means to be like you. And through your spirit, would you strengthen us to live in a way that reflects that to the world around us. We thank you for Jesus, and we pray all these things in his name. Amen.